ladies and gentlemen, right to your host of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Designs. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And tonight on Down the Garden Path, we explore the world of Dutzias and Diravellas. How's that? The double D day. Woohoo! <laughs> Uh, they are some gorgeous, small to medium-sized shrubs with a lot to offer your landscape. So they're a little unknown, but a lesser known, I guess, lesser known, right? Yeah. Um, so we're excited to do a deep dive, continuing with the Ds. Uh, we're wondering what flowering shrubs do you have in your garden or would you like to have in your garden? Do you have a favorite? Uh, we would love you to tell us by writing us at instudio101 at gmail.com. Hello there. <laughs> Hello. Stumbling through the entrance. Woohoo! All those D's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we've covered over the years, we've covered so many shrubs. So it's For been me. fun to kind of um, you know, look at some other ones that are a little less used and uh, you know, um and explore them and kind of share uh, some more about them with the, with our listeners. Yes, exactly. Um, especially things like the Dutzias and Dervillas. Um, yeah, they're so great. They're, they have, like our lilacs and our viburnums, they have great seasons of, of flower color. They've got great foliage color uh, and they're pretty versatile and adaptable. So that will be super exciting to take mm -hmm. a look at. Mm -hmm. And you know how much I love my shrubs, right? So I just feel like they are the key to a low maintenance garden, especially when we've got some small varieties. Some of these are, are fairly compact, which I think are uh, worthy of uh, a low maintenance garden. Exactly. And now, so do you grow any, do you have any Dutzias or Dervillas in your garden, in your shrub repertoire? I I do not. So I'm excited, actually. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I do use the Dear Vela, the new Kodiak series um, in mm. my designs. Um, and those are shade shrubs, everybody. So get, get excited because these are really cool. And uh, yeah, and I have not uh, done much with Jutsia. I have to confess. So I'm excited to talk more about those. Mm -hmm. Well, should, should we jump into our Dervillas first, just because it, I think that you... I said that have, up, did so I? <laughs> you kind of just set it up to knock it down. <laughs> uh, um, sure. So uh, that is their botanical name, right? Dervillas. Right. Honeysuckle, bush honeysuckle is another name, right? Right. The bush honeysuckle is, is the other name because we do get the climbing, twining, vining uh, one that is native to Japan. 
and can be invasive for us. Uh, but our bush honeysuckle, our darvillas, uh, usually darvilla lawn sierra, is our North American native shrub. So it's north native to um, areas in the north uh, eastern part of North America, Canada, and the United States. So easy to grow, uh, or easy to grow. Uh, it is easy to grow, but it's um, easy to get kind of scared when we see or know that they're honeysuckles. Because I think a lot of people think about uh, the vines and how they can become a little bit invasive and be a mm. little weird. Uh, so yeah, don't be too afraid of this one. Great little low-growing, uh, rounded, mounded shrubs. Then, uh, or so I'm sorry, thinking of the Kodiak, I'm thinking ahead of myself. Our native <laughs> one is a little bit bigger. It does prefer full sun to partial shade. Um, and like I said, very adaptable, not really needing a certain pH, fairly adaptable there. It does like soil uh, that isn't dry to moist, so prefers an average uh, to evenly moist soil, but will tolerate our dry as well as our moist. So it's very, very adaptable. Hardiness, zone two. So we Ooh. can go very far north. Uh, and if I'm remembering correctly, because whenever we look at those tags, it's just, um, it's always just the uh, first, the highest number, right, that we want to look at. Uh, but they are also usually hardy down to about zone eight and zone nine as well. So the range is about two to eight or nine, depending on, on where you are. Okay. And our native one is going to get large. She wants to be about five feet tall to six feet tall to about five feet tall and wide mm -hmm. as well. So and there they, is. Do they do they get bigger? Sorry to interrupt you. They, oh, yeah. Are they the, also the ones that sometimes they're mistaken for common lilacs, right? Because they're they're an older, quite established, quite woody, um, tends to sucker a little bit, super fragrant. So people love that. Yes. Um, is, would that be the one, the the native one? Yeah. Yeah, okay. so and I have seen some, some um, uh, like you were saying, just some older, woodier, more established ones that ha do get a little higher than that. They do break okay. that. They hit that seven to eight by seven to eight. Or depending on where they are, mm -hmm. um, I, the first time I, or I think off the top of my head, somewhere like Parkwood Estates um, in an older garden like that, you might mm -hmm. see them narrower and prune to be wider. But okay. yeah. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but yes, so that's kind of one variety of them, but we're talking, I mean, it's great because it's native, but I think they've been kind of improved them, haven't they? Yes, so Proven Winners is uh, the, the group that has that, um, oh my gosh, Kodiak series. <laughs> it's been a very exciting day, I'm sorry, everybody. Yes. Uh, I think that's why you, I thought that's maybe why you were tripping over uh, we had some exciting book stuff happening. So. Yes, yes, we, which yes. we can talk about too at the end of the show. <laughs> yes. yes, I'm getting ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yes, we have uh, the Kodiak series out of proven winners. So we get Kodiak Black, Kodiak Orange, and Kodiak Red. Uh, and these are fabulous, fabulous shrubs. Uh, they're much smaller. They're usually about three by three, four by four that you'll find. We can find these all in the garden centers. They've been out for, for a few years now. Uh, and I think a lot of people overlook them mm -hmm. um, just because they're not familiar with them. So definitely take a look uh, at that. But let's tell you about them. What one do you have in your, your garden? 
I well, I don't have any of these, but I do use them in design. So I oh, love, sorry. What? Uh, yeah, no, it's okay. I love the um the one with the burgundy. Um, so I think the black. No, 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 no. Is it the black? So yeah. orange, red, and black, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So black has that beautiful, almost like it reminds me almost of like a Wajelia, like the the wine series of Wajelias. They're so absolutely rich yeah. and dark. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically what we see is that nice rounded multi-stem shrub with a dark burgundy to almost black foliage as, as it emerges. Uh, it will take up a little bit of green, and then she's going to flower nice little clusters of trumpet yellow flowers all on the ends of all the stems. And much like the Wigelias, <clears throat> I've found that these will bloom their main flush late spring, early summer. Okay. And then they will continue through the summer. I've seen them blooming uh, coming into mid-August. Um, I've been putting them out on the benches and seeing them out in gardens. Uh, the Toronto Botanical Gardens uh, is one of the spots that I've uh, seen one of the Kodiaks blooming in mid to, I think I would, that one was about September, actually. Ooh. So they like to bubble up and they continue to cluster along. But I also find after that nice flush is done, in about early to, uh, sorry, uh, midsummer, I find that the, the foliage really starts to start to take on some of its color, more color as well. Mm -hmm. So as we get into midsummer, the flower's done, we get some of the cooler weather as we move through the summer. That's when a lot of that really intense foliage starts to pick up as well. That's great. I think it's wonderful because I think it's kind of cool that they're yellow flowers too, don't you? Yeah. You know, so it's kind of unusual to have a yellow flower on that on that deep colored foliage um, and the fact that they are that color and they grow in the shade. Yes, exactly. That's one of my favorite things about uh, Kodiak Black is you do get that nice rich burgundy on at the same time. Um, not as intense as in the fall, but you still get it that mm -hmm. beautiful with that contrast, that nice yellow with that burgundy for sure. So, it's one in the series. We've got black, but we've also got our red and our orange as well. So much like it kind of sounds, uh, they have red and orange as their other colors. However, so starting out in the spring, they tend to emerge with some of that new growth. And then they go into a nice uh, chartreuse to dark green as it ages. So we'll get a little bit of that color we fade into some of that medium green to that dark green. And then again, we get those nice yellow flowers in late spring to early summer that all cover all of those tips. What's nice about orange and red as well is we also get some of that nice stem color in it as well, especially with the orange and um, our reds having more of the green foliage predominantly through uh, the growing season and before and shortly after it flowers. So you get that nice contrast as well. So you get that nice depth. Yeah. Um, deer resistant and drought tolerant. So they're pretty good, you know, once established, of course. Yes. Everything that tolerance usually comes when it's nice and established for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's funny because in the garden center, and I don't know if you ever experienced this too, um, just as we care for all the plants and we're watering them, we find that the ones that are in the containers and start to wilt or flag first, 
um, from watering and heat tend to be the ones that once they're planted and established can take the most intense heat and drought of all of them, like the mm. echinaceas and some of the nine barks and things. When they get right in there, they're really nice and strong. But yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yes. No, I have not noticed that co- connection, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's all. I mean, also, I mean, just this foliage. So, uh, and we should we spell it for everybody? I know it'll be in our show notes, but I do want to say it's D I E R V I L L A. Deer Villa. So it's kind of an interesting, it sounds like a, uh, like a Disney uh, villain. (laughs) It does though, doesn't it? Yes. That's exactly what I had thought. Yeah. 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 Trying to print it. Deer Villa. Like Cruella. Like Cruella. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think they are definitely underused and I, and I know myself, the Kodiak series has had me, has grabbed my attention and that's something um, I've been using a little bit more because shade gardens can be challenging and it is more about the foliage and the textures. So mixing, you know, the, the, the black and the orange with like a sun king aurelia with the, the chartreuse foliage mm-hmm, yes. and japanese bloodgrass you know you can really have a big impact in just the foliage and then those orange flowers or, or yellow flowers are just bonus i agree and that's what attracts me to the uh, kodiak series and the dervillas as well the flowers are cute they're on the end but that foliage color and that nice rounded dense uh, medium-sized shrub uh, is beautiful and so again like we said like the orange and the red as we get past their their flowering uh, they will start to really intensify in a brilliant orange and a brilliant red as they go and the contrast like you said from full sun to full shade um, it's just beautiful so many different places you can p- place this tough little guy in there and just thrive Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it would because of the foliage color, it makes a good background plant. Like I often, yes. I prefer evergreens as my background plant, but not everybody likes that and and stuff. So it's it's a good, you know, where it's subtle, it's back there. You've got you know the things in front of it pop because of the dark of you, know, especially the black, right? The dark foliage, mm-hmm. and then you've got the peaks of you know the, the times that it has the flowering. So I think it's a good, you know, it's not necessarily like a hydrangea and front and center, or um, we just have Dan has showed us, we asked about their shrubs and Dan has written in a, and showed a picture of his favorite shrub, which is a Rose of Sharon. So, you know, exactly. They definitely have a wow factor, especially late summer. That's my one downfall with the Rose of Sharon is like, it's nothing, nothing, nothing for many months. And then poof, it's amazing in August, right? So, uh, so yeah, so that, you know, something like the Deer Velas are kind of there. They're right there, right off the get-go of the season. And then they, they are just, um, I don't know what the word is, like, I guess just reliable and consistent. That, yeah, no, those yeah. are good words for it. They're just, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're adaptable, they're consistent, and they're reliable to give you those different, those almost four, three seasons, I guess, of of that beautiful color and that change in the landscape. Just looking at Dan's photo too, um, the Rose of Sharon, they tend to have that nice lower vase shape or they get a little bit bare at the bottom. So if these would be great just around the base, three by three, four by four in a larger landscape, just kind of hide that weirdness along mm-hmm. the bottom as well yeah thanks Dan thanks for sharing your photo I was just thinking is this one of our first 
photo stand yeah, i think so i think so is, is and, dan the first yes, or i know i don't know um we need more photos everybody um kim has written in she says her favorite is crepe myrtle are you familiar with them oh my goodness i love them um but we cannot grow them here unfortunately yeah. kim uh i've seen them in the u.s when i've done many, many of a garden tour and i've and they look so much like like a bush honeysuckle or a lilac right they look that woody and hearty and like I don't understand why they can't grow here. Um, but, you know, climate change, they could be here before we know it. <laughs> Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I just think they're stunning. So you're very lucky, Kim, if you get to have one in your garden, because I think they're really cool. Yeah, Kim, where are you from? Because they are stunning shrubs, mm -hmm. uh, most certainly. And like you said, climate change, and people are always trying to breed uh, new plants breed versus genetically modified there's a distinction there but breed new plants uh, and make them hardier and tougher and give them different colors so yeah Kim if you're up here in the north mm -hmm. with us we might see it soon yes yes very interesting very interesting so because uh, and the, they have cool bark too which I always love I love having interesting bark on my trees and shrubs um, so yes <sighs> Same, agreed. Yes, that gives you that nice that fourth season, some color, yeah. some exfoliation, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, 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 Most definitely, certainly. definitely. One thing we haven't mentioned about our um, uh, well, I guess we have mentioned the zone of our Dervillas, didn't I? I think we started with that. Our uh, four and our Kodiak series story is about four to nine. Okay, so not as hardy as our native shrub, but mm -hmm. four to nine, and we'll take that full sun to full shade. That's right. That's right. And, you know, also it's not invasive and uh, the deer don't like it. So there's two other, especially, so I think of the cottagers, like zone four would be fine for cottagers. No cottage country? Yeah. You know what? My cottage is up in, uh, our family cottage is up in Bala. Uh, so right up in one of the heart or popular spots of cottage country around okay. Lake Muskoka and Georgian Bay. They are zone four and I have seen them, a couple of the Kodiaks uh, up there in the garden as well, doing well. So okay, cool. definitely worth a try. How have we known each other this long and I did not know you had a cottage. <laughs> oh a yeah. Cottage. Matt. <laughs> I will anyway. text you pictures. Oh well, yeah. yeah, we've had it since 1890. Oh my so. goodness. <laughs> Yeah, came over on the Mayflower and then had to set up <laughs> on a cottage. <laughs> Tracked north. That's where, there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. So I think that could be a really, because I'm often asked, like just with friends and family, like about, you know, what could be good or when I go to a cottage. So this is a good reason to invite me to a cottage just because then I bring, well, not for you, but like for other people, because then I yeah. bring plants, right? Because other people, you know, everybody brings wine. Everybody brings, you don't need another dish. You don't need another vase. You need plants <laughs> so uh so yes um that is great and i'm excited because this will this will be a good one for uh, for this season to uh, to share with uh, my friends so so that's great and i just think the color like the fact that it's yellow flowers i don't know i think that's great yes yes beautiful yellow colors indeed uh or yellow flowers as well 
Although everybody's probably laughing at me because I'm not a yellow flower fan, but in this situation, right, it, mm. it is kind of interesting. Uh, I do tend towards more of the whites, you know, as far as shrubs go. Um, and when you see this yellow, it's an actually pretty yellow, but uh, I'm sure I, I can't believe somebody hasn't written in yet to make fun of the fact that I normally say <laughs> no yellow in the garden. So, uh, so yeah, right. <laughs> I'm eating my words, people. I'm eating my words. I'm good. <laughs> So as we trek on, there's one more um, that you might find out in garden centers that you'll find um, in your bush honeysuckle section. And it's our firefly night glow. Uh, so much like the Kodiak series, we are looking a little smaller. It tends to stay closer to the three by three range. Okay. And full sun to full shade, dry, moist, four to nine. Uh, but we get nice purple foliage color. So much like the black, uh, a little bit more of a purple with, I think, a little undertone of red as well. Fall color goes bright orange. So kind of like our um, orange Kodiak. Uh, but the yellow flowers as well. And maybe this is where they get the firefly bit. Uh, but you get the nice yellow, bright yellow trumpets that they just kind of blush a little bit of like a red orange. So you almost get this bicolor uh, tone. So the outside is all nice and bright yellow and then the, it opens up and it's yellow that turns into that nice kind of blush of an orange as the flower ages. Oh, that's good. And this one, it does say it's more full sun. So not as much shade on this variety, but, um, but I think that the coolness is the, the compactness, right? Yes, yes. And excellent point. Even though you will see it listed full sun to full shade. Yeah, this one does color better and prefer the full sun. The Kodiaks are the, your full shade mm -hmm. stars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. Yeah. So that's good. So yeah, so we'd love to hear. I'm sure people are familiar with, like you said, the, the native one that's big and, and has those really delicate flowers um fragrant again it's it's like when we talked about the common lilacs right you remember your grandmother had it i know there's one um across the street from my, me is like one of those catwalks i think everybody calls it a catwalk right that on your way to the school or whatever and there yeah. is a home that it's it used to be on the side of the fence and so it was really a nondescript for like you know many months of the year it just looked like blah but at this time of year when it was blooming and fragrant it was like you you walk down the path and everybody's like looking around like what is that scent you know it's so lovely so um there is now i don't think these other ones are fragrant like like the native one are they no no they have a i've noticed a light light fragrance but i think it's more almost like some of the echinaceas they mm. It's more when the sun kind of just warms them first thing in the morning, you can get a little bit of a, but then it's gone by the better part of the day. Okay. And unless you're really looking for them, I don't ever really notice them. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never like been, oh yeah, now that's a scent or that's all beautiful. Yeah. Um, we've got Florence who has written in. Uh, says, hi, Matt, can I rake my lawn now? <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> uh, my lawn is very nice and long outside. Talking about beautiful flowering shrubs, how about ugly ones? Uh, I think that button bush is pretty ugly and plain. Uh, just basically looks like a weed. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. 
Um, again, it's a North American native, um, just kind of, yeah, you're right, kind of plain, medium, olive green leaves. And then in the spring, it gets those weird little fuzzy buttons uh, that are really cool. But I think that's, I think that's the biggest, um, sorry, I said spring, uh, summer, during the summer, you get those weird little, those things over them. And yeah, I don't mm -hmm. know. It is an acquired uh, taste for sure. <laughs> but you know what? That's I haven't a... used those. I haven't used those. I have to say, no, I haven't really used them either. And they just get so big, and they're generally found in like swampy, marshy areas. So if you were looking for something really big and kind of a wet spot, um, mm. that might be something. But it would definitely be. Um, I would only ever recommend it at the garden center again, a wet spot, or you just needed something to fill a bigger space on a larger property. Um, yeah. So maybe that's a, uh, a shrub or a, a show idea. I'm trying to say show and I'm saying shrub. Uh, that's right. A show idea, all the ugly plants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the ugly ones that might, you may want to take another look for. So yeah, that's a good idea, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Florence. Yeah. <laughs> New show coming our way from Florence. So <laughs> as we hit the bottom of the half hour, I think have we covered everything on on our Dervilla group? I, I think, think so. Yeah. I, I love it. if people have questions about them. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we would love to uh, you know answer those. And uh, so, yeah, but we can uh, we can take our commercial break if you wanted to now. And then uh, and then so we're looking for your questions or your, you know, any questions or comments or any more pictures, because we love pictures. Um, Dan, you, that was very nice of you to send that one in of your Rose of Sharon. So while we're doing a commercial, you guys can run outside and snap a picture of your favorite shrubs. I'm just kidding. We want you to stay listening. Um, but uh yeah, and then stay tuned because we do have an update on the book. So we're going to, and we want you to stay tuned to, to listen to that, right? That's right. So thank you everybody for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like share and leave us a comment we love hearing from you you can always write us here at in studio 101 at gmail.com that's where you can send your beautiful shrub and garden pictures but you can also find us or email us on our website you can find joanne at www.downthenumber2earth.ca and myself at naturalaffinity.ca so we talked about one of our first two groups of shrubs, our dervillas and our dutes, or our dervillas. Our second group is going to be our dutsias. And I always feel like I'm calling the shrub a ditz uh, or 
some kind of inappropriate name, our Dutsias. Unlike Dervilla, who goes by Bush Honeysuckle, and Dervilla being uh, the genus, uh, Joanne, maybe you have heard something, but I have not heard of another name for Dutsia. Dutsia is one of those shrubs that have its genus is also its common names. It's Dutsia. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There And there are a couple of, um, I always forget the... In the, in the botanical name, there's a few different, was it hybrids? There's some different hybrids, some, yes. some cultivars, some different species. Cultivars, yes. Um, but yeah, it's called Dutsia. Kind of like hydrangea is called hydrangea, right? Yeah. That's a perfect, yes. yes. I should have followed yes. up with that one. Yes. yes. Hydrangea, hydrangea. And, and I was wrong because you would ask me what I had in my garden. And I forgot that I did, I have been using the, um, oh my gosh, the Yuki Cherry Dutsia, which is a new one. I've been using that in a lot of designs and I actually planted one in my garden this year. I actually tripped because it's kind of low and spreading and I kind of tripped over it as I was pruning uh, my oak leaf hydrangea uh, stems uh, <laughs> yesterday. And I was like, what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah. So there is a so, uh, Yuki series, which we'll talk about in a minute. So yeah, so I take that back. I do have a Dutsia in my garden. <gasps> And I'm excited Fantastic. to see how it does. Yeah. And so how long have you had it planted? Just planted it last season. So, oh, so okay. this will be its first season in my garden. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I have put it in other people's gardens. It is a different because it's kind of a very, we can start with talking about that variety because it is new. So Yuki, the cool thing about it, if you anybody wants to Google the photo, is they the Yuki cherry um, and Yuki snowflake. The flower is very similar to... A Japanese cherry trees, right? Yeah. The pink, the little pink uh, flowers. And so they bloom June-ish, like they wouldn't be blooming yet, right? Um, right. And, and from my experience, they bloom actually a pretty good amount of time. Yeah, they'll bloom pretty solidly and quite fully. Yes. Um, even in the, in the garden center uh, for like a good two, two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then they'll do even more so once they get nice and established and in the garden. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know about the white one, but I know the pink one, the foliage goes red in the fall. So I love me a shrub that does one shrub does two things. I'm all over it, you know, so that's what Proven Winner shows me that it shows me a one shrub that does, you know, which is another reason to like the Diervella, right? It does two things. It has really interesting foliage and then it has it does have a flower. Um, so I love that. I think that is one of the biggest keys for me to a low maintenance garden because um, you can have more of the same shrubs and more of the same plants mm. that have bigger impact and it's less maintenance because you're not constantly, you know, when you've got a garden of 15 different things, that's a lot of work to remember. When do I trim this? When do I divide that? When do I cut this back? That's a lot. So if you really want a small, especially if you have small space, really picking that five, four or five different things that you love that give you a variety, um, you know, I think is, is really key. Is, and, and that's what I think about as a designer, especially in small spaces, right? You want the biggest yes. bang for your buck. Um, so, so yeah, so I'm excited about the introduction of the Yuki Cherry uh, Dutsia and the Snowflake. Um, I got attached to the pink one and I'm not even a lover of pink. Um, but <laughs> I know they've subbed the white a couple of times and I'm like, oh, because I've already got white usually with the hydrangeas and many other plants, right? You've got white in the garden. So um, so that little uh, uh, pink is pretty. Um, does the white one have uh, foliage? Do you know if the white one turns foliage color as well? Yeah. So the white okay. one also goes a beautiful red color. Mm, uh, yes, for I'm seeing them in my notes. Yeah. Yes, okay. for sure. 
So yeah, so we have the Yuki Snowflake, and then we have uh, the Yuki Cherry Blossom, or you are usually just called Yuki Cherry, or yeah. Cherry Blossom, Dutsia. Uh, so one of those words get dropped. Um, but they are full sun to partial shade. And I find that the foliage fares a little better when they have a little bit of protection from the harsh afternoon sun, um, ah. especially if you're in a drier area. They will tolerate that dry to moist, um, but I have seen, uh, especially in containers and some just all day sun, uh, the foliage does start to um, bleach out a little bit. They do have a nice, rich, pointy, medium dark to dark green foliage, uh, but I see it, sometimes it just gets a little lighter in, in the full sun or bleaches a little bit. And that's just maybe just in my experience and where I've seen it, uh, but these are beautiful. Uh, mounding, arching shrubs, very mm -hmm. elegant and soft looking, great, uh, like you said, foliage and texture to it, growing about two feet tall to about two feet wide. I've seen them a little older, um, get to about about 30 inches, so a few more inches wider okay. uh, and maybe a couple inches taller, but they're fairly compact uh, and dense. And then once they they bloom in that late spring, early summer and just cover themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, in those flowers. It is a showstopper. It is a showstopper. Um, the difference, so like you had mentioned, so Oryuki snowflake tends to be fairly pure white, but the back outside of, um, the petals also have just a sliver of pink, um, okay. blushing from where she opens, where she attaches to the stem, but for the most part, she's white. And you'll see when you look at her, she'll be white. But if you get up close, there's a hint of pink. Uh, and then when you do have the Yuki snowflake or Yuki cherry blossom, they do have definite bands of brushes of nice pink on the outside of those petals, and then kind of a pinkish white uh, on the inside as well, on the inside of the flower. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll let you know, because guess where my Jutsia uh, is planted is in my, my hot, dry um, area beside <laughs> my driveway. So I'll let you know if the leaves go light green. We'll have to we'll have to do a follow up and see how they do. See how yeah. it goes. So yeah. I'd love to see how it goes, because mm -hmm. um, uh, even the one that I've seen um, were on the edges of gardens. They weren't far away from like there is a sidewalk or, or a road or a driveway somewhere nearby, like within 10 to 15 feet. Um, but the garden was fairly dry. Um, and yeah, it would be very interesting to see yeah. how yours does. Yes, mm -hmm. excellent. I yeah, thought for a second you were going to say in your health strip. Yeah, no, well, it, I mean, all my garden is kind of my house trip. So yeah, <laughs> kind of that area. So, uh, so definitely. So, um, and I would like to put in a couple more so it, it because I like that idea of of the spreading like not having another big mm. um big thing but I am kind of running out of room um but I you know both of these like the you uh I, you know I think I can find a spot for um um the bush honeysuckle as well so um so that would be nice very very yeah. nice yeah for sure um so um tim has written in and we've got another photo matt uh <gasps> so matt, he says hi matt and joanne my favorite shrub is wujilia i have included a photograph fantastic topic this evening thank you so we did i think on our first two years ago didn't we do a whole show matt on wujilia i think we did yes yes yeah 
Yeah, so you'll have to check that out, Tim, in our archives on our podcast or on our website. So you can go back uh, a couple years to uh, um, the shrub month in 2020. And uh, I believe we <laughs> talked about Wajili as we did a deep dive. So he's got a lovely picture of the green leafed but pink flowered um, Wajili. So yeah, thank you for sharing. It's a, is it um, maybe like a minuet? Is that minuet? Could be. It could be minuet. Yeah. That's just the first one I could. It, anyway. Yeah, because it's it's a nice <laughs> compact size, right? So it doesn't look like the big, um, the big one, which is it'll come to me. But anyway, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so in addition to the U, so back to the Dutzia, and we'll spell that one too because it's kind of interesting, and it is D E U T Z I A, uh, Dutzia, um, which also kind of sounds like a a, a Disney villain, villain, but you know. <laughs> to supply Disney with some some plant uh, ideas but uh, um, so Nico is probably one that's been around the longest yes yeah Nico is probably one of the the classic ones that everybody has seen out there it reminds me more of um, the Yuki cherry just in the way it does kind of have some of that white on the inside but um, more pink triangular or brushes uh, on the outside of the flower merges the nice uh, tight rich pink buds and then she's going to pop open uh, with little yellow insides white throats and then the mm -hmm. pink still on the outside this one gets a little bit bigger she tends to grow closer to four feet tall to five feet tall and about five feet wide as well again fairly tolerant uh, of that dry to that moisture hardy to zone five through about eight to nine so still a good range there as well. And loving that nice full sun. Excellent. Excellent. And then after uh, Nick, they just developed Nico, they came and they developed Nico blush, kind of like the Yuki cherry, right? Or the Yuki snowflake and the Yuki, uh, you know, um, Oh my gosh, Yuki Snowflake and Yuki Cherry. And so Nico and Nico Blush. Um, yes. So also, I mean, they are kind of wider than they are tall, aren't they? Yes. And sorry, just to clarify, I was thinking uh, Nico Blush in what I was talking about. Uh, yes, because sorry, I was relating it back to our uh, Yuki Snowflake. So everything I was just saying about the pink and everything was. Oh, right. Yes. Is yeah. what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get it. I get it. They're both. So new, uh, Nico is zone four and uh, Nico blush is zone five. So, you know, um, fine for us, but not super, um, super hardy um, for anybody north of us kind of thing. And they are a shrub that grows tall, but also wide, which, you know, usually we have mounded ones, right? Like Wajelias will get mounded or some of the others that get taller. So it's kind of interesting that these ones take on uh, that type of shape. Yes, yes, agreed. Um, and if you're looking for that shape, the, the Yukis are definitely going to fill that for us, for sure. Um, what I also liked was, um, and I, you have to correct me on the pronunciation, I say creme free, fresh, is it creme friage? F R. Uh, creme fresh. Oh, fresh. Yeah, I think it's just creme fresh. Is it just right? creme fresh? F R A I C H E. Mm -hmm. Is that the one? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Me and my horrible pronunciations. Um, but I liked that one just because um, it is a little bit, like, again, mounding, 
So we're going to see about two feet tall, but we're going to also see about two to three feet wide. Zone five, we're going to have white uh, flowers in the spring uh, on green foliage, but the foliage is also variegated. So we get kind of a nice, um, I, don't, I don't, I hate to say euonymus because euonymus to pick something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Everybody let's... catch that? No, 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 Matt, you have to repeat yourself. So Matt and I both, <laughs> you taught me that and I say that all the time. So euonymus. <laughs> That's what it's called, but Matt and I, or Matt's term is, you want to must pick something, something else. else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone just kept returning them at the garden center. They just get scale, and they just, yeah. unless you're really keeping them, I don't, I guess they have their place, but I say you want to must pick something else, because right. there are better plants. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, nice, long, doubly serrated leaves, and just a nice, creamy olive green uh almost to like um yeah creamy olive green to a little bit of a chartreuse green on uh, the foliage as well so what i also like about this one too is it does get a nice red fall color um so you've got nice white flowers in the spring you've got a nice variegated green uh foliage again even the variegation is still somewhat into the greens uh so you could just call it green um or that creamy green edge, and then that beautiful red uh, fall color as well. So great for a nice border or a mass of, uh, nice little mass planting uh, as well. So you get a little bit of that double duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, what else do we have for our, there was one more duty I thought I had for us. Uh, this, uh, well, there's a couple here in my list, uh, which is maybe different yes. from your list. I've got Slender Dutzia and Compact Lemoine Dutzia. Oh, yes. I didn't put those on my list. Go ahead. Oh, my goodness. So now I'll look at your list while you're talking. But uh, Slender Dutzia um, is a little bit taller, right? So it says a yes. meter. So I guess three feet by three feet. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit more mounded. Um, I guess that's a little narrower, really. You know, and like in the sense it's it's more mounded than some of the other ones we mentioned that were wider. Yes. Um, yeah. So yes. Uh, generally, uh, yep. Do, 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 do. Okay. So, Slender Jutsia is a tap root. Develop roots where. Okay. Oh, tip root. So it will. Oh, I've. That's an issue. Which is great, right? The where the tips land in the cascading um oh for me you were a little bit staticky there sorry so i missed what you said the tips when the tips touch the ground they root oh okay yes so they set advantageous roots fairly easily just by they kind of root and they grow and they root Mm -hmm. and they grow yes very cool yeah I think one of the other things, I don't know if we said everything or said this specifically, but these are all also deciduous shrubs. So both our dervillas as well as our dutsias are going to give you that nice fall color, but they're also then going to lose uh, their leaves. I found the other one on my list. Did you have another one on your list still? No. So I think one of the ones that maybe we just kind of jumped over, another a garden center classic uh, that came out before the Yuki series series another slender dutzia uh in the slender group uh, but it's our chardonnay pearls so it has that nice 
um, chartreuse foliage, and then it gets long strings of tight, rounded white flowers that again open into multi-petaled, beautiful crystal white, uh, fragrant, showy flowers. Uh, this one again is a zone five to eight. We're going to see it mound to about two, three, two to three feet tall and about three uh, feet wide, flowering from April to May. Uh, and then again, we're going to see it in about full sun to partial shade. And again, wide range of soils, not too pH uh, particular, particular, but it does prefer moist. Uh, humus rich soil. So we want some good organic matter in there, and some nice, uh, even moisture. One of the things I don't think we've talked about either with any of our Dutzias and our Durvillas uh, is when we're going to prune them. Ah. So our Dutzias are going to be good right after they flower. So our Dutzias we're going to flower in spring. Uh, depending on the cultivar, mid to late spring, early summer, let them do their flush and then we can give them that nice light shearing, take out any of the dead branches uh, that we have. The Dervilla actually prefer to be blooming, or sorry, prefer to be pruned at the end of winter. So we're going to be looking late winter, early spring, usually after the, the threat of a good snow or another good um, freeze shows up. And then we can prune her and shape her and then let our Dervillas pop out and work their magic for our garden. We're just hitting the last 15 minutes of the show. And I think that covers all of our Dutzias and Dervillas. So I hope that everybody, as we kind of double through all of our wonderful cultivars uh, that you can find at all of your local garden centers, um, have found something maybe that caught their ear, maybe that they're looking for a nice space, something that's mounded, low maintenance, fairly adaptable, pairing well with other perennials and shrubs, giving you multiple seasons of interest uh, that you can put in to your garden. So hopefully mm. you found something there. Yeah. Um, I think the timing of them is pretty good too, because they, they don't bloom. Like they're not the first bloomers like lilacs and uh, forsythia and some of those early yeah. ones, but they're kind of like the next shift that often, you know, you, sometimes there's a bit of a gap in the garden before the J July, you know, hydrangeas and things bloom. So that is a nice thing. Like we often say to people to take pictures of your garden, you know, weekly, monthly or whatever, and notice you know, when, cause that's the addiction, right. Is try to have something blooming every, uh, you know, all the time. <laughs> yes. And um, so I feel like that they also, you know, kind of fill that gap a little bit because, because of their timing of, of blooming. So, uh, so I think that's great. I agree. Yes. I agree. I um, and wonderful. we, yeah, Anne has written in and oh. she did send me an email this week. She said, uh, she wrote to me last week. She loves the show. Always listening. Thank you very much, Anne. And her favorite shrub, which is another one we can't grow, right, is ca camellias. <gasps> no, they are super oh tropical gosh, for so us. And so, oh. wow, what a beautiful shrub for you to have. Yes. <gasps> Absolutely. Oh, I hear. I've just loaded it here. I see the yes. picture. <gasps> Gorgeous. Double. Gorgeous. Baby oh, my pink. goodness. That's stunning. That's stunning. Yes. 
Oh, yes, wow. uh, that is true. So, so yeah, Matt, it's only taken us nine years to get people to sh- one show. We've gotten three <laughs> pictures. It's only taken nine years. Right, Gary? Right? Oh, my goodness, everybody. You know, like, and that's why that. we hope to be on Facebook Live at the same time so we can forward you those pictures. Oh, that's right. oh, is that still a thing, Gary? You still want us doing that? <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of shows do. So when people write in or have a, a clip or let's just say a picture like that, we can forward that while people are watching on Facebook and they actually oh. see the pictures that people send you. Okay. That means I'm going to have to that in a while. redo the office so that it looks like... <laughs> A bigger garden space than it is. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, and Steve has written in uh, and said, and I agree, Steve, you can never go wrong with the age old standard hydrangea. They are the best. Yes, they are. So, they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is, I think I'm going to save it maybe for our question and answer episode in two weeks. Because uh, next week we're going to, it's our long weekend here in Canada. And one of the busiest weekends as our frost date passes us, mm-hmm. our average last frost date passes us. Uh, it's going to be a holiday for us. So we are going to do a repeat of uh, May in the Garden. And sorry, Gary, if I didn't tell you that already. I know, I was going to say, it's always good. <laughs> we uh, like, you'll send me an email. Radio, right? You'll send me an email. I'll get <laughs> I'll it. I'll send you an email with it. We will. Um, but we know you guys have been waiting for the end of the show for us to talk more. So next week, yes, we are doing May in the Garden. And then the yes. following week, we are doing Ask Us Anything That's with right. a twist. With a twist. So our exciting book news is that we have, um, it is done. It is done. We are done in the book. We have put on our finishing touches with Janet. Uh, we have it sitting with Amazon now at Amazon's lab, reviewing it just to make sure it ticks all of their boxes for it to be available. So while we are away next week, we think that the book uh, should be approved by Amazon. We'll get some proofs. And we're thinking that on our final episode of the month, which would be June in the Garden, we'll go over, or which will be question and answer, but typically our June in the Garden. Uh, We're gonna go over the book. We're gonna have copies of the book. We're gonna have somewhat of a launch party. Get you guys May 30th, to... everybody. So May Thank 30th, you. our May 30th think. show. I know it's hard to talk and look at the calendar. Yes. So that's where we make a good team. So May 30th. So Gary, we might talk to you about maybe we do a Facebook Live for do that. Facebook Live. Okay, sure. Figure out how to do that. Because when we were in studio, we never could seem to get it right. But this would be interesting to see if we can do it um, now that we're doing Zoom. So that would be fun. Um, but yeah, we figured you guys are going to have, you love, or ask us anything question shows are very popular because there's always lots of questions that you have about, you know, as much as you like our theme shows, we do know, and that's why we tried to break up the theme shows with those ask us anything shows, because we do know you, you, uh, you have questions for what's happening in your garden and what you want to do and the timing of everything. And that, you know, so many of our answers are now in our book. So we want to be able to kind of tell you both about, tell, you know, tell you more about it and uh, where you can get it. And uh, yeah, right. That's right. That's right. So have a little launch party and hopefully you pick up a copy and leave us a review. And I think we're going to set up some giveaways and uh, share some new plants, etc. So that Mm -hmm. should be really exciting. That's right. That's right. We had some podcast t-shirts made pre-COVID, so we have some to still give away. So uh, we would love to do that. Um, And um, a few more surprises 
uh, so yeah. So Gary, what do you think? Good idea. I think it's excellent. Everything you just suggested. Perfect. Launch party at Gary's on the 30th. <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> right. Bring food. Oh yes. <laughs> That's right. BYOB. Uh, bring some food. BYO I call potato app, salad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is good. So thank you everybody. It has, I think Matt, this is, like you, you use the term labor of love. Like we guys, we started this, what, August? Like this yes. has been, you know, and don't, you know, it's not our profession. We're not professional writers. And we did have, you know, Matt's a teacher. I've, I've got a business to run, you know, in a design business and, you know, life. And, you know, so we were definitely doing it as a part-time, you know, side gig kind of thing, but boy, it, there's a lot that goes into it. A lot of decisions, even today, right? We had to make a, you know, Amazon had like an issue with one of our things and we're like, oh my God, we got to make a decision, you know, because it's not just about the words. There is like the layout and the pictures and the um, the wording and, uh, you know, different things we tweaked and we, we thought we laid it out right that we liked it and then we didn't like it. And the size, <laughs> we started at one size and we're like, no, we don't like that size. That's too, too small. And, oh. you know, so yeah, there's so much that goes into it. So, uh, so Yes, definitely uh, took a little bit longer than we were both expecting. We really were hoping for Mother's Day, um, we but were. you know it's okay. It's okay. That's all that matters, right? Exactly. That's all that matters. And hopefully, um, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed as much as we did enjoy our little labor of love. I think the greatest challenge with um, the book, besides, like I mean, like you said, we were doing so many our, of our own other things, uh, being our little side project is. There's so much great information that, that we would love to share with you and we come up with a podcast. And um, I think some of it was, we found that it was such an easy way to go into our, our rabbit hole of what well, we should, if we talk about this, we should talk about that. Cause I yes. can just see our listeners already writing it in Matt and Joanne. So what about this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think I do want to, you know, this is something we'll say over and over again, too, is that there's many ways to do something in the garden. Yes. There's many historical ideas, you know, ways people have been doing things for years. There's new ideas. Um, what works, you know, you can just look at a Facebook group when one, you know, one simple question has 132 responses, which blows me away. Um, <laughs> you know, there's many ways to uh, skin a cat kind of thing. So these are our, you know, our best practices, um, things that we've learned in our education and our businesses and our own gardens, yeah. um, you know, Matt from, you know, the patio or from your balcony, also from Nana's garden, you did a lot of gardening there, right? Remember Nana's yeah. garden? And <laughs> I know. And, um, so, you know, it's not the only way to do something, but you know, that's just kind of what we, and that was hard, right? Because there are many ways to do something. So that was another thing. It's like how many chapters and, and how many points can we make? Um, you know, so, so that's, you know, that was part of it. And our hardworking editor slash publisher, um, shout out to Elwyn Press, um, mm, yes. Janet, uh, for doing that for us. And uh, yeah, so we're excited, nervous, but excited. Nervous and excited. Yeah. But yes, exactly. Ellen Press and Janet, I think the book looks fantastic. And I think you guys will be quite impressed as well. So 
Yes. Well, look at yeah. this. It, I, I think we're, are we pushing or are we looking for something to say? <laughs> oh, no. Last three minutes. I know, I know. No, it's okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, designs are, you know, it, it has been an interesting spring. We did get a bit of rain here today. So that was nice. Yes. Thank you. We Very did. Well yeah. Needed. We did need some rain, but, uh, and things are a little bit behind. So if that is something, you know, people are worried about their roses. Roses seem to be a little bit behind. Um, so many other, a few other things. Things are a little bit behind. So don't rush it. Uh, don't worry. Um, you know, just be patient. I mean, we did have one good week of really warm weather, which was great. Um, this week's going to be a little bit cooler, uh, you know, yeah. for the most part. I know people are in different areas of, of, uh, of the world kind of thing, but uh, be patient. So don't dig things up too prematurely. I know I did a video no. on our Instagram uh, about like the Japanese forest grass versus the Japanese blood grass. And I'm going to do a follow-up one because, you know, my forest grass was, you know, was starting to leak green out and there was no sign of red at all on my blood grass, like in the same garden, very close to each other. And, you know, and everybody's always like, oh my God, it's dead. It's dead. And it's, and it's like less than a week later, there it is, it's growing, you know? So that is something, um, please. And you and I both know from our experience at the garden centers, right? It's so sad to people, mm. people digging up their rows of Sharon, digging up their hibiscus, digging up their hydrangeas, digging up their ornamental grasses, all the things that bloom, they need heat, they need consistent heat, especially night, because sometimes we've had warm days, but they've been yes. still cool nights, right? Yes, so, that affects them. Um, yeah, so that's just one of the timely things. And I, I think something I've seen, you know, in on social media and lots of people asking about the roses dying and, and uh, you know, hostas, even people are saying their hostas are dead. I'm like, no, no, I think it takes a lot for your hosta to die. It's just the ground is still cold yes. and they haven't come up yet. So, uh, so yeah, so if you've got something in your garden you're a little concerned about, um, please just give it another week or two. And I'm sure it will be fine. So, uh, so yeah, see, I'm very good at killing time, Matt. I can always come up with. Uh... <laughs> you are definitely, I think, the conversationalist between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the facts and you're the science, yes. right? So we make, I almost think, I was thinking about this today when you were talking. I feel like um, um, I'm the color commentator, like in sports. I know you're not a sports guy, but there's like the play-by-play <laughs> guy. And then there's yes. the color commentator. And you are play-by-play. You are science, 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 and I get to be color commentator. Now, in sports, I hate the color commentator guy. I want him to shut up because <laughs> I just want to listen to him about the game. So I don't know. I don't know what our, our listeners feel about that uh, and my sports analogy. I always manage to get one in a couple times a month, right, Gary, to talk about sports. Yep. <laughs> so, well, uh, thank you, everybody. Yes, that wraps up another show here on Down the Garden Path on Reality Radio 101. Don't forget, next week is a repeat show. Everything you need to do, May in the Garden, followed by our question and answer period on May 30th and our book launch party, fingers crossed. Uh, We hope to see you all then. Until then, thank you, everyone. Enjoy your evening. We'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.